Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Are you ready? Week two of the college football season. You know, actually gets going tonight. Sac State, Arizona State. That's right. Troy Taylor's on the Pac-12 Network tonight. You fans can see your old offensive coordinator. There he is, getting ready to get rolled by ASU. Or maybe it'll be a stunning surprise. And then, of course, we really get to it tomorrow. That's when things really get fired up and get going. Of course, the big game for us here is BYU and Tennessee. Both teams lost their opener. BYU lost uh, somewhat respectably to a nationally ranked team. Tennessee lost, what would it be, disrespectfully? I don't know. Humiliatingly? I'd go with humiliating. I, I didn't watch the whole game. I saw the score. I saw what was going on. I was watching multiple games, and I thought, nope, that's BYU's next opponent. This has got to be the priority. And I didn't think I was going to learn much watching Tennessee and Georgia State. Man, did we learn something watching Tennessee and Georgia State. Holy cow. Georgia State ran the ball. They ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they ran the ball some more. They ended up with more than 200 yards rushing. They pushed Tennessee around in the second half. Now, the question is, can BYU do that? They ran the ball a little bit in flashes against the Utes. Now, the Utes, believe the national folks, Utah and Auburn have the best defensive lines in the country. So, if you can have a little bit of success in flashes against the Utes, Tyson Williams had seven carries for 45 yards, a little over six, almost six and a half yards a carry. Well, shouldn't he be able to ground out five or six yards a carry against Georgia State? You'd think. Now, maybe they play a little harder because they're embarrassed, but still, man. If I'm BYU, if I'm their offensive coaching staff, if I'm their O-line, their running back, I'm thinking, let me at these guys. One of the guys, James Empey, BYU offensive lineman. Let's hear his thoughts heading into the game. What do you feel like you picked up? No, you've had a, had a chance to go back and evaluate everything from Thursday. Sorry, what did you ask? What, what did you pick up from the game after? What did you guys um, learn? You know, a lot of things. There's lots of uh, execution issues that, that we had during the game. And... Um, we looked at it. We we're getting them right, and we're moving on to Tennessee this week. Excited for it. What specifically are some of those some of those things that you need to execute better? Um, I I think it's it's pretty obvious. Anybody that's watching the game, you can see a bunch of a bunch of things where we went wrong. A bunch of um, just a different different maybe time issues or assignment issues or, or things like that. And so um, just just correcting everything and, and moving on, trying to be the best we can be, ready for Tennessee. Utah's got a defensive line that's really good. You guys played against it for the entire game. What, what, do you, what did you see from your boys just as you faced the, you know, the opponents of that caliber? Um, yeah, they, they have a good line. Uh, they, they played really hard. Respect to those guys a lot. I thought our boys, um, I thought they, they rose to the challenge. I thought we, overall we played, um, played all right. Obviously, lots of, a couple plays we wish we could have had back and lots of things we could have done different, but felt like it was a good start and, and we uh, when we went over it in film we got all that we could out of it and we're moving on to Tennessee. Two of your biggest wins last year were on the road. Obviously the Wisconsin win being the biggest. How do you take that experience and, and the confidence that you guys had in that Wisconsin game and apply it to a situation like this in another huge crowd and a big big name opponent? Um, that, that game was really fun and, and our focus going into that game was just playing our game and not getting sucked into um, any of the outside noise or, or how big their stadium was or how many people were there, how loud it's going to be, or, you know, they, they have some cool traditions in that stadium. We were trying to just focus on, on playing our game 
and doing what we do. Um, and I think that's really should be our approach as we as we move forward and, and look forward to Tennessee is just be be ready to play our game, do what we do, execute our stuff, um, and and we should. Um, if we do that, we'll we'll do pretty good. What is it about this team? Because over the last couple of years, there's been guys that have said we are a very comfortable road team. Why is that? Do you think? I don't know. We just have fun. You know, we just have fun. It, like I said, it, when, when we go someplace, we just try to play our ball and try not to get sucked up into anything. And so, uh, I think that just plays into it. We just go out and we we just we enjoy the moment, enjoy you know whatever is coming our way, and and have fun. So. With 100,000 fans, I know you're making a lot of calls up mm-hmm. and down that offensive line. Can you verbally make calls in that type of environment, or does it have to be all hand signals? Uh, calls, points, it's just okay. got to be loud. Okay. Yeah, the, all the guys that are listening are, are really close. So, okay. And uh, most of the time, everybody knows what to do. So just a couple points, a couple calls, and everybody kind of gets the picture. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll get loud, but uh, we're good at hearing each other. You're a football guy. Your dad was a coach for years and years growing up. What do you think of when you think of Neyland Stadium and Rocky Top and checkerboard end zones and all that? Is that pretty cool to think yeah, it's, you'll be playing that? It's cool. That's It's one of the uh, coolest experiences in college football, you know what I mean? They they got the checkers and the, um, the checker painted end zone and all the orange everywhere and Rocky Top playing. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great environment to go play football in, and it's a great opportunity. Um, it'll be a great memory, and we're just trying to get ourselves prepared to go play and be the best we can be um, and execute the way that, that we need to in order to, to win that game. In the first half, Jaron came in and some support plays at quarterback. Did that kind of throw you off? As, I mean, does that affect you as a center, snapping it? To, to be honest, I didn't even I didn't even notice who was back there. It, it, it's um, Both of those guys do a great job, and, um, and we need to be able to execute with whoever's in there. And, um, so no, it didn't. It didn't necessarily throw me off or anything. Both those guys do great. What do you know about them defensively, and, and maybe even specifically the the defensive front? Um, we we we've been looking at them this weekend. Looking at them today, they're they're you know a bunch of big boys. They play hard. Um, they make plays, and and they they're a high energy defense. They they move around. They they get things going, and so um, I, we have a lot of respect for them. We think they're pretty good, and so we got to go in and, and and play our game. You know how was I mean? the urgency today in practice? Uh, you know, coming off that loss, but how are the guys mentally? Where are you guys at right now? You know, I think I think over the weekend everybody was able to take what they need to learn from it, um, uh, learn as learn as much as they can, and put it behind them. So we're we're looking forward. Everybody's excited. Uh, we've been talking about just how how great of it is of an opportunity to go out there and, and play. So everybody's just excited, ready to go. Um, watch plenty of college football this weekend. You know what I mean? And and. And uh, it's football season, man. We're ready. We're ready to go. Did you watch that Georgia State Tennessee game live? And I did. It was yeah. Kind of running through your mind as their offensive line seemed to have some success against Tennessee. Yeah, the, Georgia State. They came out and they they played really good, um, and 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 moved some things around and and played some good offense. And so it's cool to it's cool to see that happen. Cool to see them play, um, and hopefully we can do the same uh, Saturday. Tyson Williams has experience playing at Neyland Stadium, had success, played, played uh, Tennessee twice uh-huh. in South Carolina. How important is it for you to, to use his experience and get him going and get that run game going uh, against Tennessee? It's cool. Uh, Tyson, he's a great player. He, he had some really good plays on, on Thursday, and, and he's had great plays uh, with us all camp and has been playing really good. And So we're excited to uh, keep working with him. And just ba- based on his experience, it's it's cool. Everybody was talking to him like, "Hey, how is it? How is it over there? How how they play?" And he's he's been talking to people. But um, uh, 
same thing goes with with them. They they put everything on film. You know, all their games are on film, and so we can kind of get a feel for it um, and learn what they do based on watching their film and and seeing uh, their games and how they react to things. So uh, Tyson's awesome. I think he's going to have a great game Saturday, and it's it's nice to have him on the team. Going into last week's game, Utah was considered the number one defensive line by some people nationally. Does it give you confidence now? You only gave up one sack against those guys and give you confidence moving forward right. that whoever you face, you can have a lot of success against. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence in our boys. We we got a lot of guys that can play and have been hungry to play, and and, and they're playing pretty good right now. I, so we got, we got a lot of confidence. Every game's different. Um, Tennessee's going to come out hot. They're going to come out a little, uh, probably a little angry from from their game last week, and, and so will we, you know, so... Um, it's going to be a lot different game than the one you saw last Saturday, and, and we're just excited to to prepare for them and get ready for them and, and be the best that we can be, get as best as we can, so that when we play them on Saturday, we can we can do what we do. In that respect, does Tennessee losing that game, does that make, potentially make them a little more dangerous for you guys? Um, I, I don't know. Poss- possibly. I mean, uh, each week's different. Like, like I was saying, you can, you can just expect to get your – uh, opposing team's best shot every week, you know what I mean? And and uh, they got Georgia State's best shot last week, and, and they're going to give us theirs this week. And, and so we got to come out and give them our best shot and, and go to work. So each week's different. I don't think you can bank on anything based on what happened last week. I think Tennessee's a really good team, and I think they just got woke up. So we got to be on our best game when, when Saturday comes. There's BYU offensive lineman James Empey. All right, we've got more on this game coming up with Josh Ward, who's a radio host and does uh, Locked on Vols podcast. Uh, he's in Tennessee, and we're going to talk with him later in this hour. But coming up next, we shift the focus to the Utes and Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois head coach Thomas Hammock joins PK and I next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Thomas Hammock. He is the head coach at Northern Illinois, uh, returning home. He's been, uh, he's been away, assistant coach with the Baltimore Ravens. What's it like to get back into college football and uh, get back in a place where you got b- roots? Oh, it's been great. Uh, you know, this is a place I've always wanted to come back to. Uh, I explained to my wife, you have veto power over a lot of other jobs, uh, but this was one that she did not. And uh, excited to be here, uh, excited to get going. A uh, big win last week for us, and uh, obviously we got a big opponent this week in Utah. You're from Jersey City, I understand. You were born there. I don't know how long you lived there, but you were born there, correct? Yes, I, I lived there too. I was uh, in eighth grade, so quite quite a quite a good amount of time. Well, coach, you're speaking to someone who was born in Essex County. How about that? All the way out in Utah, we're nice. brothers. <laughs> nice, small world. Yeah, there you go. And when did you move from Jersey to Arizona? I actually. Uh, yeah, I went to school. I moved to Indiana. Yeah, I, I went to high school in Indiana. I went to high school in Arizona, so I lived my first uh, all the way through eighth grade in Jersey, and all my family's still back there. Oh, so, nice, yeah. nice. 
Well, I'm just going to have to leave you two alone then. You're going to have to have Jersey <laughs> bonding time here. You, you have no idea for a radio show in Utah how much time we spend talking about New Jersey. Can't it's, help it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So you were not the coach last year. This is your first year, but you have undoubtedly immediately immersed yourself into the tape of that game. What, what did Northern Illinois do to keep that game so close for so long? 17-6 final, but the Utes had a late field goal and pick six to make the final score 17-6. What did Northern Illinois do in that game that they can replicate in this game so that they're close and have a chance to win late? Well, I, I just think you look at that game last year. It was a it was a great uh, defensive battle, and um, I mean we we, we got to travel with our defense this year, uh, and obviously we have to improve on offense uh, where we can have a, an opportunity to to try to get in position. You look at Utah, and they might be the best defense that you play this year remains to be seen. What do you think you're going to be able to do against them offensively, or what do you need to do? Well, I think, you know, obviously this this will be the best defense we see, um, and it won't be close. Uh, But I just think, you know, for us offensively, you have to just find creative ways to try to create some angles. Uh, They have, you know, uh, big guys up front on the interior defensive line. Um, so we got to try to create some angles, uh, try to get them running, and then try to uh, puncture the defense that way. I think if we can stay on the field uh, for extended periods of time um, where we can have a chance to maybe wear them down seven, eight plays into the drive, uh, that would be the uh, best way to give us a chance to uh, be productive on offense. You know, especially early in the game in your opener with Illinois State, it, it was a problem getting to the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth play of a drive. You had one really big drive. You had a touchdown uh, off a big play, and you had a pick six. Uh, was that a case of first game jitters? Because it did look like you started to put some possessions together in the second half of the game, or did you wear down a smaller team? What, what clicked for you as that game went along? Well, I just think, you know, Illinois State is a 3-4 defense, a lot different than what we see every day in practice uh, throughout training camp. And I think it took us some time to get adjusted. Uh, and then they, they pressured us. They, they blitzed us quite a bit. I, I want to say they blitzed us almost 66% of the game. So uh, you've got to get adjusted to that as well. So um, I think, you know, Utah, four down front, uh, they're going to play what they play, so we have a great idea of what they're going to do. Uh, and, and for us, it's about straining uh, and trying to sustain blocks, uh, which is going to be critical in this game. Now, Bowers, your quarterback, was a kid we saw at Cal, and he was in and out of the lineup, and then he comes to you guys. Uh, statistically, he has a pretty good game. The first game throws for just one yard under 300. Uh, when you describe him and what you're looking for him to do, what would that be? You know, we want him to distribute the ball. Uh, we want we want to get the ball in guys' uh, hands that can make plays. Uh, and he did an excellent job of doing that. He did an excellent job of managing the game. Uh, we didn't have any, uh, I think we had one procedural penalty. Um, so he was able to command the huddle and get people in and out, uh, get us lined up, uh, and take full control of the offense, uh, which I think he's been able to do in a, in a very short amount of uh, time. You are a uh, you're a former running back, and it looks like you ran for about 2,400 yards in your college career in Northern Illinois. So you got an eye for those things. When you look at the Utes' running game and the Utes with an, a guy we all expect is going to play in the NFL and Zach Moss, what do you see out of him, and how can you slow him down? Oh, he's he's a dynamic back. Uh, you know, I, I had started to watch him last year early in the season because uh, some of our scouts was was talking about him last year. 
uh, and then he got injured. But what you see is a, a physical guy that can break tackles. Uh, he has the uncanny ability to stick his foot in the ground and get vertical uh, in a short amount of time. Um, so they, they play on the center. They play in the gun. And, and for him, it doesn't matter. He can he can uh, cut from different angles. Uh, he can catch the ball. He's been solid in pass protection. Um, so you see a guy that can obviously wear a defense down, get stronger as the game goes along, which is exactly what he did against BYU. Is that what you're hoping to see from your guy Harrison because you said you want to be able to keep the ball as long as possible? Yeah, you know, we, we have to try to, you know, be physical uh, and run the football. Um, the, the one thing I want to see, I want to see yards after contact. Uh, those are the, those, the yards that, that a running back creates. I think Moss, he created 26 missed tackles last week uh, in that game against BYU. So, so obviously, you know, those are the type of things that we want to be able to do uh, with our running game. So from what fans remember last year of the Northern Illinois game, and, and here we saw Northern Illinois play Utah close and then come out and beat BYU, so we saw him a couple times. Uh, what, how do you want to put your own personal touch on this program? What, what are you looking to change or tweak or improve? Well, I think, you know, I, I played in this program, um, and I think, you know, one thing that's been established is the hard way. And, and the hard way is something that, you know, I'm not going to alter. Uh, I think our kids believe in that. Uh, they believe in going out there and competing, uh, no matter who the opponent is, and giving their best effort. So there's not a lot I want to change. Uh, we just want to be better and more efficient uh, in certain areas. And, and it certainly starts uh, with us with the offense. So last year when we watched the Northern Illinois-Utah game, we really enjoyed watching Sutton Smith, who was just awesome. And obviously he's gone. He was an incredible player. Is it more the combination of the guys up front uh, taking up space and allow the linebackers to make tackles with Smith being gone? Yeah, we talk about playing team defense. Uh, and, and, and when you rely on one person, you know, if, if he doesn't get the job, then then what? Uh, so now we want to rely on 11 guys playing sound, uh, team defense, uh, playing technique, and not worrying about one guy trying to bail you out. And I think our guys are bought into that. Uh, last week was a start in that direction, and we will continue to uh, go that route. And, and then you have to explain to them it's not about stats. You know, when you play in team defense, it's going to be spread around all amongst 11 guys, and we have to buy into that philosophy. Trey Harbison uh, running for uh, 99 yards in the conference opener, coming off a 1,000-yard season. Uh, how much big playability does he have? How much do you view him as more a guy who will get you five or six yards? Well, he, he's definitely got to um, – he's got to, uh, you know, break more tackles. Uh, we want to be dynamic like, like Moss. And, uh, you know, that's a mentality. That's an attitude. Uh, you know, we're not there yet. Um, but, but certainly we, we're trying to go in that direction. Look at your schedule. You know, you got the win against Illinois State, and then you play Utah at Utah, at Nebraska, at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's very difficult. You're in your first year. How comfortable are you with that schedule? Yeah, I'm comfortable. I mean, uh, you know, we we take it one week at a time. I think we have a singular focus, and, and we take it one week at a time. I'm coming from the NFL, which for 16 straight weeks, every game is hard. So uh, for us, we're going to take, take this week for what it is. Uh, we're going to play Utah um, at Utah and, and, and give it our best shot to go out there and, and try to win a football game. Uh, and, then, and then we'll worry about the next one when that, when that one comes. 
Kyle Whittingham has uh, made a living out of trying to find an edge in special teams. Uh, he's had some return guys who are dynamic, and lately we've seen really good punters and some pretty good place kicking as well. Uh, how does special teams shaping up with what you inherited here in your first year at Northern Illinois? Well, I think, you know, we want to make sure we, we try to win that phase. Uh, and we got guys that buy in, guys that may not be heavily involved in offense or defense. Uh, they got to make their they living on special teams. Uh, and I think last week was a start. I think there's some things we can certainly uh, improve upon. Uh, we got to, this week is going to be big. You see a lot of speed on Utah special teams units. The kickoff coverage and punt, punt coverage are excellent. And uh, obviously they got a return guy, uh, number 18, who can definitely do some things with the ball in his hand. Do you expect Utah last year, oh, excuse me, last week, they were very run heavy against BYU? You expecting the same? Yes. I mean, Andy Lutwick, I work with him at Wisconsin. He wants to run the football, and that's that's the start of his his whole mantra of of uh, offensive play. Uh, so we fully expect them to, and they got a back that can do it, and a quarterback that can obviously manage the game, and uh, he can run as well. So I would expect them to try to establish the run early um, and often. So what was it like working with him at Wisconsin? It was fantastic. I learned a lot. He's very detail-oriented, uh, very organized. Um, you know, I know he, he was at Utah before, and then, and then obviously he's coming back, so he's familiar with that program. Uh, so I, I expect him, he, he will adapt to his personnel, and uh, he's done that everywhere he's been. Yeah, that's true, Coach, because he made a point of that when he came back here the second time in spring ball, talking about how his varied places that he's been, you know, when he was here before with the spread offense was really in vogue. And then, you know, obviously Wisconsin is not anything but the spread. So he feels like that he can go whichever way he needs to go based on the talent that he has as somebody who's playing against that type of versatility. How difficult is it? to be prepared for whatever he might throw at you? Well, I think, you know, um, you know, the, the great thing this week is now we've, we've had a chance to see him play. Uh, we broke down there, Vandy, what he did at Vandy. And then obviously it's a little different now because you got a quarterback that's, uh, you know, that can obviously have the ability to run the ball as well. So we got to be ready for the, you know, the quarterback power read and all those different things that the quarterback can do with his legs. Um, so, obviously, having a week to look at it and, and uh, prepare. But, you know, Coach Ludwig, he's always going to have a, a trick or two up his sleeve, uh, which we got to make sure we we on top of as well. Well, I expect your guys to come out here and play tough because Jersey guys are tough. Isn't that true, Coach? <laughs> hey, you know. It's, uh, you know, the, the one thing about, you know, being from Jersey, hey, when you get in a fight, it don't matter how big or how small, you better be prepared. Amen, Coach. <laughs> I'm looking at our producer right now, and if we'd known you were from Jersey, if we'd done our research better, we might never have done this interview, honestly, because you get to hang up the phone. we got to deal with him. Jersey tough, yes. baby. No question. No question. <laughs> Four hours of this every day. Coach, you're part of the problem. You're my not part of the my grandmother my grandmother lived in Jersey City, so I'd been there many times. Oh yes, yes. All right. I you, understand. you done? Is that enough Jersey for you today? Yeah. Nah, you're just getting started. I, I'll give you a fist bump when you come out on okay. Saturday. Right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thomas Hammock, he's a former Husky player, former assistant coach too, now the head coach at Northern Illinois in his first year, getting ready to play the Utes. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, and go Huskies. 
There he is. Began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Wisconsin and uh, moved on to Minnesota, back to Wisconsin the second time. So, yeah, yeah. Ties, you know, they always talk coaching is really small universe. And you think, man, we saw Northern Illinois twice here with the Utah and BYU. Now they got a head coach who was at Wisconsin, which, you know, means he was there with Gary Anderson, too. I mean, it's just like one tie after another. Yeah, and I liked how he said Andy was at Vandy. That's kind of cool. You like that? You're going to use that? Yeah. Andy from Vandy. Andy from Vandy. <laughs> go, up and, go up and open an interview with Andy like that. Hey, Andy from Vandy. They don't let assistants coach maybe speak once uh, once, once or twice the season. a season. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they've tight, tightened it a little bit there as far as access. You get access to players on Monday and Tuesday, but not uh, assistant coaches you do, but they rotate on a Tuesday basis. And yeah. then Kyle speaks – Monday and then after practice Tuesday himself. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, we shift our focus from Northern Illinois to Tennessee. BYU and Tennessee, can the Cougars run over the Volunteers? What is wrong with the Volunteers? What went wrong in Game 1, and how much does it have to do with what went wrong at the end of last season? Josh Ward, radio host, in Knoxville, also does a Locked on Vols podcast. He'll join us next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk a little BYU football now. The Cougars are going to Tennessee. Going to Knoxville, Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, host of the Locked on Vols podcast. He joins us now to talk about the Volunteers and the Cougars. Josh, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. So, Josh, I was uh, I don't know if I saw the score on the ticker or on Twitter, but I saw Tennessee-Georgia State 14-14, and I got over to ESPNU in a heartbeat, and so I watched the last, I don't know, two and a half quarters or so. And I was stunned at how easy it was for Georgia State to run the ball and control that game. Now, I'm just parachuting in in the middle of it, so maybe I shouldn't have been stunned. Uh, what was your reaction watching that game? I was stunned. There was no talk leading into the game of Georgia State possibly being able to upset Tennessee. And in the middle of the game, sitting in the press box, I did turn to a few people to my left and right and asked, are we watching a game where Georgia State can pull off an upset? And at that point, Tennessee still had a lead, 17-14, fairly early in the third. Georgia State came out, scored a touchdown. And I think at that point, a lot of people agreed that there was a game here. Uh, It was still difficult to believe that Tennessee would actually lose it. But that's what we watched, even when Tennessee was able to come back and uh, take a 23-21 lead. It was all Georgia State from there, and Tennessee was embarrassed uh, with the way that it played, and uh, it, it never should have gotten that close. And in the end, Georgia State 
has a 15-point lead with just a few seconds to go before Tennessee tacks on a meaningless touchdown to make the score more respectable. But there was really no respect left for Tennessee there with, with the way things went. So when you listen to the players afterward, everybody was shocked and it's unacceptable and whatnot. And, you know, it seemed like they were saying what needed to be said. But what does that mean going forward to this week? Because at least on paper, I don't know how the game's going to turn out, but on paper it looks like BYU would be a better team than Georgia State. It's a good question, and I don't know if anybody has a surefire answer right now, and that includes Tennessee's head coach. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has talked about players responding and cleaning some things up and you know, being okay with what the game plan was last week. Um, we have a result that shows that whatever the plan was, whatever they had done to work on getting ready for Georgia State wasn't wasn't right because of the way things went. And how will players respond is one of the biggest questions this week because Tennessee had the performance on Saturday against Georgia State that was so disappointing. But also at the end of last season, Tennessee finished with two clunkers, getting blown out by Missouri by 33 points and losing to Vanderbilt by 25 points. So a lot of the players that we've talked about coming back, and Jeremy Pruitt talked about building stronger relationships with those players and strengthening the culture and having nine months to get ready for this season, and we are having similar conversations to what we were talking about at the end of last season. If if we see the same thing from Tennessee this Saturday, then we have our answer. If Tennessee is able to turn things around and play well against BYU, if Tennessee can get a win against BYU, it doesn't solve everything, but at least buys Tennessee some time. If Tennessee plays like it did this past weekend, this upcoming Saturday, then I would say good luck to Tennessee in getting anything figured out when you still have your entire SEC schedule remaining. So sometimes you have a team run the ball on you like that because of talent issues, but sometimes it comes down to heart and passion issues. When you bring up the end of last season, it makes it seem like there's some disconnect and that that's really heart and passion issues. Am I reading what you're saying right? I think that's part of it. Um, another part is that I don't know that Tennessee has one defensive lineman that right now stands out as a high-level player. Tennessee had a transfer come in named Aubrey Solomon, and there was a lot of attention on him in the offseason as he was waiting to have his uh, his eligibility granted by the NCAA as an undergraduate transfer, and that was given last week. And I think that created a little bit too much excitement about what it would mean for Tennessee's defense. I, I don't mean that to knock him. It's just that I, I said last week going into the game, temper expectations with what he will do and what that will mean for Tennessee's defensive line. And in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter, Georgia State just did what it wanted to, lining up and running against Tennessee's defensive front. Now, Tennessee is expected to have a senior linebacker return this week. He did not play last week, Daniel Batuli, but he's not an all-SEC guy, and he's going to be on a pitch count, it looks like. He's not been practicing in full, and Jeremy Pruitt compared the snap count that he'll probably see to what Trey Smith, a Tennessee offensive lineman, saw last week, and Trey played less than half the game. If that's the case with Daniel Batuli, I don't think he makes that big of a difference, so Effort has to be some kind of issue when you get pushed around by Georgia State like that. But there is also a talent issue with what Tennessee has up front on the defensive side. So they bring in a new coordinator over there from Georgia, and then T. Martin comes back, and he I think he's a receiver's coach. Obviously, he's a legend in Tennessee history and all that. But I'm wondering, it's only one game, but what is the identity of the offense? Well, I think the identity is that uh, Tennessee knows it has an issue with its offensive line, and there's only so much you can do with that. Tennessee has been trying to figure out what the best five or six for that offensive line is. And in the meantime, 
Tennessee has a number of skill position players who they have legitimate confidence in. They have some good wide receivers. Tight end Donwood Anderson's a good player. They have some running backs that can hit some home runs. Ty Chandler's a game breaker. Uh, talented true freshman named Eric Gray, a former Michigan commit, high school All-American. They, they have some players there. What can Jarrett Garantano do, the quarterback who now comes in as a fourth-year player who's played a lot of games? Uh, so I'm kind of describing what the offense is. What's the identity? I think it's getting the ball out quickly to those players that I just mentioned and seeing if they can make some plays, make guys miss. The problem is they kept making mistakes on the offensive side, whether it was lack of protection or bad throws from Garantano. Uh, or turning the ball over. Tennessee kept getting in its own way. A, a wild stat that nobody would have predicted with the outcome is that last week Tennessee only punted the ball once against Georgia State. If you had told me that was going to be the case before the game, I would have said Tennessee scores 50 points. Instead, Tennessee needed a late touchdown to get to 30 against Georgia State. So they have some players, but they still have a lot to figure out on the offensive side. I'd say like BYU, Tennessee is having the conversation of we've got to take care of the football. If we do that, we can put some points on the board, but that's a big priority after the first game. Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, and host of the Locked on Vols podcast. Join us on the Sprint special guest line. Lisa Nehan said, get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. So when you talk about the issues on the offensive line, do they have more issues run blocking, or do they have more issues pass blocking, or are there issues with both? Uh, there can be issues with both. I think with pass protection, a concern is just all around. Do the tight ends do a good enough job? Uh, there were issues where running backs just whiffed on blitz pickups, uh, either whiffed or just got destroyed. Eric Gray gave up a sack because he was just pushed over by an opposing linebacker who came toward Jarrett Garantano and uh, was able to knock him to the ground. I thought the offensive line was better in pass protection last week. Uh, run 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 blocking needs to be better. Tennessee was stuffed with seven offensive linemen on the field on a third and short quarterback sneak attempt, which was pretty embarrassing. That's what led to the one punt attempt from Tennessee last week. So uh, run blocking. There's also the question at running back. I mentioned uh, Chandler and, and Eric Gray, but uh, Tim Jordan, who is probably their short yardage guy, He's banged up right now with an ankle injury. They've moved a freshman safety linebacker to running back this week because they have some depth questions there. Uh, so Chandler and Gray are, are two big-time players, but they're not big guys. They're about 200 and 195 pounds, respectively, between the two of them. So uh, that's a question, but Tennessee still needs to be able to run the football. They need to be able to get guys out on the perimeter because they do have some game-breakers. They just have to put them in the right kind of position because I, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of effective between the tackle running from Tennessee. When you look at it defensively, you've already touched on it a little bit. They're inexperienced up front, don't have necessarily have a lot of experience in linebacker, but they have experience in the back end, and so appears to be halfway decent there. And so what do you think BYU's approach could be against this defense, knowing what you know of the defense? Would they have to rely more on the run? you think they have any success throwing the ball? Yeah, the uh, the secondary, which did receive a lot of talk in August as a group that was going to be better, uh, it does have more experience. A year ago, Tennessee was starting a couple of true freshmen at corner, and that was a big problem. But Tennessee has run into problems in the secondary. One is that senior Balin Buchanan's not playing right now, and he's not really expected to play this year, but he definitely won't play this week. He's dealt with a narrowing of the spine, so there's a senior that's off the field. One of their most talented players on the team, sophomore Bryce Thompson, is currently suspended, so you take him off the field at corner, and he is replaced right now by a true freshman, Warren Burrell, who struggled last week. Uh, they have a sophomore safety in Trayvon Flowers, who's well thought of, but he's still learning. And their most experienced guy, Nigel Warrior, is a terrific athlete, but 
he needs to play better. So um, Elante Taylor would be the other starter at corner. I think he's a good player for Tennessee. Uh, Sean Schamberger is in there. Not a lot of experience. An older guy, though, and, and Tennessee does a number of things with him. They'll send him after the quarterback uh, playing that nickel position. So as I'm really kind of running through the personnel there, there are, uh, there are ways for BYU to exploit uh, Tennessee's defense. If Tennessee can't create pressure, then I think Zach Wilson will be able to find open receivers. If Tennessee's able to contain Wilson and get to him quickly, then Tennessee's secondary can be just fine. But uh, if there are breakdowns, that will, that will probably lead to open receivers for BYU. So getting to the quarterback will be very important for Tennessee's defense. BYU's tight end has uh, has been promising, looked good, uh, the, the, uh, Matt Bushman, uh, against Utah, and then Utah had to put a second guy on him and bracket him in the second half to kind of take him out of the, the game. Can, they, can Tennessee match up with him, or is he going to demand two guys and maybe open things up for everybody else? Well, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, Tennessee has a very talented uh, freshman linebacker, Henry Toa Toa, who should be playing more this week. He started last week. He was a high school All-American. He's a guy that looks like he's for real uh, for Tennessee. I mentioned Batuli. Does he come back? Daryl Taylor's a guy that he's an NFL prospect on Tennessee's team. You can find projections that have him as a top 30 to top 50 player overall for the upcoming draft. But the thought with him has been, can he be a pass rusher? But at outside linebacker, he was in pass coverage this week. And then is Sean Schamberger somebody that Tennessee uses or Nigel Warrior? Your Warrior would make sense to me, but he's also a guy that I, I think he's better in uh, helping with the run game than in pass uh, coverage. And I think that could be an opportunity where BYU is able to find somebody that can make some plays. So it's a good question. I think that's one of the more intriguing matchups. What does Tennessee do defensively to try to stop Bushman? Because um, they're trying to still figure some things out at linebacker. They, they have some other guys. I, I didn't run through their names, but Will Ignat, Shannon Reed, they played a good amount, pretty good athletes, and, uh, and they will be options as well. But, yeah, Tennessee has to have an understanding of what they're doing. They struggled with uh, lining up um, before the snap, and you know, maybe that's where Batuli comes in. But uh, if Tennessee pre-snap has confusion, then BYU will take advantage. So since Fulmer, Fulmer was, I mean, we all know that story when he left in, what was it, 2008, and Kiffin was there for a season. Dooley had three losing seasons. They bring in Brooks Jones. He showed progress, and he taps out, obviously, at uh, two nine and four seasons. And then two years ago, it was just a disaster. They did not win a game in the conference. But before the prior two seasons, at least they were competitive and went to a couple bowl games and won them. How come he wasn't able to cash in and continue to build the momentum that led to the 2017 season, which was prompting his dismissal? Yeah, uh, it, it, there are a number of reasons. Um, I think Butch Jones, who brought in a number of really talented football players, that's what helped them get to a position where they were able to have back-to-back nine-win seasons. 2016, they should have won more, but uh, they ran into a number of injuries that really ripped apart their offensive line. In 2016, the year that Tennessee was a preseason top-10 team, they had uh, their starting middle linebacker go out in Week 2, their best linebacker and Jalen Reeves-Maven, who plays for the Detroit Lions, go down and, um, and miss pretty much all of the season after a Week 3 injury. Their best corner, Cam Sutton, who's with the Pittsburgh Steelers, go down and miss the bulk of the season. And then they, they dealt with leadership issues, I think, as well. And uh, Butch Jones probably didn't manage the roster and all that talent very well. Uh, they, they changed strength coaches. That's been a recurring issue for the last decade-plus with Tennessee is changes within the strength program, which is, uh, has kept Tennessee from being able to develop the way that it needed to. They had a, a change with their strength coach 
where they went to an interim coach leading into that big 2016 season. And then uh, Butch Jones, I think, worried about some of the wrong things. Um, some of the criticism that he's take, taken, I think, has been over the top. I think the criticism should have been placed in other areas within the program that he is still in charge of. But uh, fans of Tennessee are not big fans of Butch Jones right now. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt now has taken a little bit more of the criticism this week with what happened against Georgia State. And that's, that's put more pressure than I expected to, uh, to be applied on Tennessee's head coach, which makes this week so important. Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, host of the Locked on Vols podcast. So you talk about the fans and and Pruitt and all that. You know, I've seen plenty of games on TV from Tennessee, and the place is packed, and it's orange and white. But watching the Georgia State game, and I get it was Georgia State, and it's a holiday weekend, and people have other stuff going on. But I was surprised how many empty seats there were in the end zone, and people were just looking so upset and disinterested in the fourth quarter. What's the atmosphere going to be like this week? I still think it'll be good. Uh, it'll be a night game. Um, it, it's not the only reason. The, the football product was a big reason, but um, the, it was hot this past Saturday. And I think a lot of fans, with the combination of, they didn't really care to, to watch that game, and it was hot. If you like, if you look at a photo I posted on my on Twitter, uh, a, a lot of that's in the sun where it's just it looks empty. I mean, that's how many fans are gone. But even in the shade. In the upper deck, they're still probably only 70% full in a game where Tennessee is fighting to try to win. That's why it was a combination of the middle of the afternoon on a 90-degree day in September or August 31st, uh, that plus the football product. Fans are a little bit tired of it. All that being said, it's a night game. Uh, it's, this is a game that I think fans have looked forward to. There's the natural buildup where over the course of the week you can kind of put that game as embarrassing as it was behind you and look forward to this game to see what happens. Also, it is the first game where Tennessee is going to be selling beer at Neyland Stadium. So that is a factor, honestly, for Tennessee fans, I'd say, uh, to be there. Last week might have been a good week to start those sales. But um, I think it's going to be good. Plus, there are going to be a lot of BYU fans there. So BYU will help uh, with what the overall um, attendance looks like within the stadium. I think it's going to be a good one on Saturday. They should help with the overall attendance, but I don't expect them to help with the overall beer sales. Well, last week, Tennessee really did a good job of, um, of making uh, beer sales be, uh, be increased. It's just that they didn't have them available. Tennessee could have made some money this past weekend in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, they stopped after the third quarter, but in the second and third quarters, they really could have uh, ratcheted up those sales if beer was available to the fans. I promise that. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> So, Josh, you look at all of this, are you expecting Tennessee to win at home, or does BYU come in and get the win? What do you think? I don't have a great feeling for it. Uh, I do a show on Sundays, a um, TV show here in Knoxville, and at the end of the show uh, we have to make, go ahead and make a pick for the next week. And I did pick Tennessee, and I didn't pick it with great confidence, but I picked Tennessee and I said, okay, I'm going to make the pick today, then I'm just going to stick with it all week. I think it's one that comes down to the end. There's not really a scenario you can give me that would surprise me. If Tennessee wins by 10 points this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised. If BYU comes in and has a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and, and pulls off a road upset, not a, not a major upset, by the way, but a road upset, that wouldn't surprise me either. Both teams have some things to figure out from that first game. BYU's was from a much tougher opponent, as you guys know. Uh, but I, I picked Tennessee. I think Tennessee gets some things figured out, takes care of the football, but if it doesn't, Tennessee's going to lose the game, and then it's going to get ugly in Knoxville. And then also, as I said, I don't know how the players respond. Juwan Jennings, a senior wide receiver, stepping up and saying, we're going to fight, we're going to keep uh, playing hard or play harder than they did. 
I do buy that. I think that that'll be the case. I think Tennessee plays better, and I think Tennessee wins, but I think it's a close one, and I think it can go either way. All right, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you got it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks to Josh Ward for joining us. Radio host in Knoxville does the Locked on Vols podcast. And listening to him, I, I just hear him draw a line. Something happened at the end of last season. It sounds like they gave up. They gave up 50 points and almost 500 yards to Missouri. And then Vanderbilt threw the ball all over and hung 38 points on him. Now they open the year with Georgia State scoring 38 points on him. Morale issues. Although, as he points out, morale and talent issues. It's a great opportunity for BYU. Go get this one. Get to one and one. And get ready for USC. All right. More on this game coming up. We got the uh, NFL opener last night. The Bears and the Packers. We'll get to that in What is Trending next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.